This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Dr. Dale McKinley, political analyst, professor of military science at Stellenbosch University, Professor Francois Ray. He's here as well and good party member of parliament and also the party SG also here tonight. Brett Heron, Professor Francois Vray and Dr. Del McKinley. Dr. Del McKinley, let me welcome you first uh, to Power Thanks, Perspective. General. How are you, sir? I'm well and yourself. I'm very, very good. Professor Francois Vray, how are you? Hi, Denzel. I'm fine. Good evening to you. Good evening to the other speakers and participants, and good evening to your audience. Sure, sure. Thank you, Prof. Uh, let's go to, of course, Brett Heron. Brett, welcome to Power 98.7, Brett, and, and, and I'm hoping you're good, Brett. I'm always good, and thank you very much, Denzel. <laughs> it's a pleasure, man. Brett, let's start with you. Um, Paula, you know, in the, in the parliamentary circles and what, what you know, from, from a legislative perspective, uh, is there is there anything, Brett, that's being mooted, looked at uh, at this particular point where you would have insight into green papers, white papers, and all the other sorts of things and questions to to presidents and 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 the likes of this particular you know space that's just happened with the ambassador that it could potentially land up in in Parliament where somebody is looking for answers is there is there no noise yet been made in Parliament around this particular you know um, um, uh, let's say controversy at this particular point well um, Denzel it, it sort of broke um, in the news cycle on Thursday afternoon mm. shortly after or perhaps even during the president's um, oral reply um, to questions in the House. Yeah. Um, and um, it seemed that perhaps the, the, the DA had had a tip-off that this was coming because on the back of one of my questions, um, John Stenhazen asked about um, whether arms were mm. um, Ah, supplied. yes, I remember that. Mm. Um, so um, there hasn't been much time since Thursday um, to get a sense of what's really going on mm. and how Parliament will, be, will, will handle this. Mm. Um, it will no doubt be um, the subject of both oral and written uh, and questions for written reply in the coming days, mm. um, and maybe even a, a, a debate um, of urgent national importance. So mm. there are opportunities for the for Parliament to debate this, um, but the President um, didn't really answer the question on Thursday when it was posed as a follow-up question. So mm. I think we're all still trying to fathom whether this um, is has, is a is a credible allegation or mm. accusation, mm. Um, whether it was a sort of warning shot that um, if South Africa doesn't get in line, mm. um, there will be consequences, and we've seen some of those consequences just based on the accusations. Mm. So it's, I think it's still a bit um, confusing and perhaps bewildering in the in in the parliament space right now. Sure. Do you do you as good think it needs to end up not not just as a particular question because you know the questions are easy to 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 engage. Ask the deputy president this particular question, ask the president this particular question. Do you think in some way or format it it needs a space to be spoken to in a different format in 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 the in the chambers of of parliament there because the, the the consequences and I was just beginning to look at you know legis, uh, U.S. legislators and I was looking at John John Rich for example 
and 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 John Rich is an American legislator, and he was beginning to mention something about you know um, saying that their ambassador to South Africa had suffered maltreatment for speaking out and had actually been scolded, and that you know there need to be consequences for 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 this kind of thing. So it seems to be growing, even though we're winding it down in this side this side of the continent, and we're beginning to say it's dealt with. We've spoken to the Americans, you know. Uh, there's been apology for dealing with it in the public space. Um, you know, legislators in, the, in, in Washington seem to have picked up on it and, and, and don't like the way maybe that we, we dealt with their man. So now whether that's right or wrong in the way we dealt with their man, um, it, it seems as though it's been, the, the conversation is being picked up. And, and in the same vein, there are these AGOA conversations that are happening and, and that's happening next year. And there are the, the whole dynamics around BRICS and Russia and Ukraine and, and our strained relations with the U.S. at the moment. So do you think that based on all of that, there needs to be a space whereby Parliament actually does look at maybe the broader consequences before we get to the consequences and we wake up one day and those consequences are here? I do think so. And I think that, um, you know, I mean, you've mentioned all of the elements or, and there maybe there are others, but mm. you mentioned many of the elements um, to this um, crisis or story. Mm. Um, I mean, from whether the, the accusation is true um, to um, whether it is a geopolitical move mm. um, that is has something to do with um, quite a lot of media reports in the last couple of months around the rising economic power of, of BRICS and and um, mm. the diminishing power of the dollar. Mm. So there's lots of stuff that, that could be involved in. I think that, um, unfortunately, the, our parliamentary system is not designed like the American system where um, you can have these kinds of um, uh, legislative inquiries as as easy as you as you appear to be able to have them in, in the United States. Mm. Um, we've done away with interpolations, which is where a member can pose a question to a particular minister um, mm. or the president for a debate, um, and so you're left with questions mm. or tabling a request to the speaker mm. that um, a matter of urgent um, of uh, national importance be debated urgently in parliament which does give the executive um, the opportunity to respond to accusations and and concerns raised by members of parliament but we don't seem to have mm. the mechanism built into our legislative process mm. that is the equivalent of the american system where they can hold hearings mm. um sort of sui generis yeah Okay, let me, let's go to you, Prof. Prof. Uh, François Vray. Uh, let me just bring the Prof. back into the conversation. Prof. Um, yes, Prof. Let me let me let me just start with a generality 101 question to you, right? Um, professor of Military Science at Stellenbosch University, and so uh, just based on on the title as well. So a 101 question, Prof. And not even not even a complicated one. Uh, do we? As a country, South Africa, with the kind of narrative that's been written about our defense force, the, the state of our military, the, 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 the money and, and, and resources that's not been pumped in, and either just aging equipment and then aging manpower as well, and, 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 and you know, uh, that, that particular narrative of where our defense force is at present. Um, do we even have the capacity, and, and this is a 101 question, to even be able to load 
specific equipment onto a vessel that comes in into our port and and to be used in in the Russian Ukrainian war do we do we have any weaponry of any sorts that we could even make available uh of or, or technology that we could make available that would that would you know be of any use or relevance in in that particular space uh, from our side with regards to your question mm. um South Africa does not produce any major weapon systems and platforms that would be of any use to the Russians in mm. their war um, in Ukraine. Mm. We also have to remember that um, in this case, the sensitivity about this is that even if it was only ammunition, mm. just for example, it would still become very controversial mm, mm. because we have to remember that in terms of the um, the state of the statement that we are neutral mm. uh, in this is that a state a political statement of maintaining neutrality towards a war mm. is a declaratory statement but the declaratory statement and its credibility lives out and plays out in your neutrality as practice and a country opts for neutrality for two reasons, mm -hmm. to stay out of a war or to be able to conduct other policies and matters uh, in a way where it's, it's to its own advantage. Mm -hmm. And therefore, your practice of your declared state of um, neutrality is, is care carefully watched because its credibility is whether you are believed or not. Mm. by other partners that are probably take sides in the, in a particular war. Mm. So in this particular case of the Lady R that came in as a ship that is already on the radar of, for example, uh, the Americans in terms of sanctions, mm. that South Africa obviously doesn't ascribe to, mm. it entered into South African waters and it broke its pattern of its systems in order of identification mm. was erratic, switched on, switched off, which in itself is a transgression uh, of uh, international maritime law mm. to, to do that while you are at sea for a vessel of that size. Mm. And then it entered South Africa's water, sailed and ended up in the uh, uh, Simonstown Harbour. So that in itself mm. uh, raised the antennas. Mm. and raised suspicions. Because if we look at neutrality as a practice, and we just look at the Lady R as one, mm. but just consider the following. Um, how South Africa voted uh, in the UN, then the Minister of Defense was in Moscow at a on upon a military invitation. Mm. Then the Lady R arrived, then it was the matter of Mosey, the exercise. Mm. Then it was uh, the matter of the BRICS meeting and whether President Putin is coming mm. and whether we're going to arrest him. Mm. Um, then the accusation came from the, um, uh, the American ambassador. Mm. And this evening it was announced that the chief of the South African army... He's actually in is, Moscow. ...is in Moscow mm. in terms of military preparedness. Mm. So um, I think that the, the, the way in which the South African government 
is balancing its practice to build credibility. Mm. There's too many R's for Russia in the picture at the moment, and it doesn't have to be like it. Mm. That that doesn't have to be like that, because the the practice of your neutrality stance um, goes to its credibility. How do you um, support and how do you execute your declaratory side of uh, your neutrality? Because we use the argument of we're a sovereign state, and that mm. is good. It's a powerful argument, mm. but. We are also living in the 21st century where there's a parallel debate. Sovereignty as a responsibility. Mm. So we, we look at this, and this, this is, in my mind, we are looking at a little bit of a political tightrope walking and a little bit of political brinkmanship. Mm. And after all, there is just maybe a very simple explanation why the Lady R was in. Simon's down. So mm. that's what I would like to contribute at the moment. Well, when you said it doesn't have to be like that, and you say, you know, maybe there's a very simple explanation why Lady R was here, that that erratic switching off of its identification signals, you know, on, on its way to South Africa, um, you saying, you know, brings about the suspicion anyway, and then, you know, the, the final destination not known, and then obviously there are basic U.S. sanctions, but South Africa not, you know, uh, ascribing to those particular sanctions. And we, we obviously, you know, are, are not the United States, and we have taken that neutrality space. Out of all that you've said, is there a questionable then space of our neutrality? Because... I also, and I would add to you, in, in essence, there is also the Russia-Africa summit in St. In Saint Petersburg in July that, that, that is pre the BRICS in, in August. So, so when, whenever South Africa defends its neutrality in this particular space, it also brings up the atrocities of the United States and says, why doesn't you know, anybody speak to the United States about one, two, or three, or what they're doing here, or what they're doing there? Is that also a confusing language? Because in your neutrality space, um, you know, once you've once you've accepted that, uh, but you 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 bring up the 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 others' faults and the others, you know, uh, uh, admissions when whenever the argument comes up, does that cloud the space? And do you think that our neutrality status uh, as as a prof? Do you think our neutrality status as is blown in this particular grad and that the U and that the US doesn't think that in 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 essence we are neutral in any way in the way we've responded to everything that you've spoken. Just on the neutrality but have we have we blown that bit? Do you think it's gone too far? I personally think we can do better because if we stay in step um, how how neutrality plays must play out in your actions because rem- the moment you declare your neutrality, mm. you are closely watched. Mm-hmm. We all know, we must know that. Mm. You are closely watched. And for me at the moment, um, I have two questions in my head. The sure. one is, um, are, we, are we playing out an interest uh, in what we are doing that type of flows away from keeping the West uh, in the picture and keeping the West type, not satisfied, but keeping the West on their toes? Um, or is this a question 
um, we can do better, but for some reason we are not playing the the full game of neutrality mm. where, where you create the space. Because in all of this, I'm asking myself one further question. Mm. Does South Africa, in the face of this, by not playing uh, across the space all the options of neutrality, are we type of lowering or undermining any expectation that we can play a constructive role mm. to bring about a, a peace as soon as possible in the Ukraine? Are we undermining our role as a credible player with the stance on neutrality that we are convulating in terms of how we are playing the game mm. in, in terms of the stance versus the practice of neutrality? It's 26 minutes to the top of the hour. My guests, of course, are Brett Heron. He is the Good Party Member of Parliament, a Good Party Member of Parliament, I might tell you. Uh, he's also the SG of that political party, Professor Francois Raised, who you've just also heard, and Professor Dale McKindley, political analyst. So, Dr. Dale McKindley, um, Ramaphosa, he's asked the security advisor uh, and a judge to look into the matter. He's dispatched a delegation to the U.S. to ease tensions there. Now, Lady Pando has also spoken to, Prof, uh, to Secretary uh, Anthony Blinken, her counterpart in that particular country. And so, you know, it's a lot of a lot of stuff that we've suddenly been doing and a lot of activity from South Africa's perspective, amongst others. You know, the one aspect that we're playing a lot on is we have called the ambassador in and we have basically sanctioned him in in essence. And he has apologized and said he shouldn't have spoken out of turn. But in the same vein, we have done a lot to try to fix, you know, the, the, the grass on our side as well in, in, in bringing him into the conversation. We've also done quite a lot, and I would argue quite a lot more, you know, to kind of mend the fences. So my question to you is, is would the, would the ambassador have spoken, and, and I'm just looking at, at the kind of things that are happening in the United States, would the ambassador have spoken with, of course, officialdom by, by Washington, do you think? Do you, do you think, as, as both Brett and, and Francois have been saying, you know, that somewhere there could just be a warning shot in all of this and, and, and it was just to see how, how things would turn out? Uh, because ultimately, you know, um, decisions, uh, I, think, I think, as the professor also was saying, decisions have consequences, and, and these are high-stake decisions that are being made. Professor Del McKinley? Yeah, so listen, I mean, when you play a diplomatic game, I mean, let's understand that it's a game. Mm. Uh, and, and people are going to say things for impact and effect and to see how other side responds. I have no doubt that the ambassador did his homework. Um, I, have, I doubt very seriously whether he just came off the cuff and said these remarks mm. and thought, mm. oh, well, let's see how uh, South Africa responds. Mm. Um, but I think that it was, it was particular. Yeah, it was, it was like basically putting a sonar out there and you're trying to see what, what you're hitting mm. uh, in that respect and to see if the South Africans are going to back off, if they're going to become offensive or, they're, they're, or what they're going to do. Because clearly what the United States is doing globally, so this is not just a South African question. They are monitoring and clearly paying attention to all the countries that they think are not on their side. Mm. Um, and this is what big power politics is about. And when South Africa, as always has been mentioned now, all these different things that have happened over the last many months, I mean, they send up flags for mm. a country mm. like the United States and they want to know, OK. And then the, the Lady R was just the, 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 the latest 
sort of indication, and it was a clear one that they can use for these purposes. Mm. So I think we have to see it in that light. Um, but I, I also wanted to say that from our side, you know, mm. there's a lot of other questions that don't get put into this debate. It's mm. not simply a question of whether or not we take a non-aligned or, or politi- uh, apolitical stance in this mm. case, which mm. I think is the correct one to do. Yeah. I don't think that's really the, the, what is being done, though. I mean, let's go back to, uh, if, if, if listeners remember, back to before the ANC Congress uh, yeah. last year, mm. the largest donation that was made to the ANC, at least it was, remember, when they filed their report, it came from a Russian oligarch who was sitting right next to Putin, mm. who owns mines in the northern tech. Um, if, you're, if you're going to uh, then going to say, you know, whether, imagine that that was, um, you know, Elon Musk, mm. Elon Musk or, or Warren Buffett from someone from the U.S. or other place that had given a few hundreds of millions to the ANC, mm. people would be crying interference and, oh, this is not neutral and other things. So there, there's politics at play here mm. uh, that go way beyond simply who's saying what and whether we're not aligned and whether the sovereignty of South Africa has been violated and the United States is playing big power politics. These things should be expected. When you play in the big boys' uh, playground, then that's what's going to happen. Mm. But for our side, I think for South Africans, the real question is, whether or not our government and the Ramaphosa administration, going back to the first question, has legitimacy mm. uh, in making these kinds of claims and in taking, trying to take a moral high ground. Let's not forget I, I, the, the, the arms shipments that South Africa has made. And here's another aspect that hasn't come in is the role of arms corps. Mm. Philip Dexter, the CEO of arms corps, basically came out the other day and said, anybody who questions Russia and Putin should, we're going to protect him when he comes here. Very pro-Russian statements and very much, uh, very clearly staking his claim there. Mm. And mm. we all know that Arms Corps produces quite a number of things that are very useful for Saudi Arabia, for Yemen, for Syria, for a whole range of things. We've exported arms over the last 10 years to a range of countries that have been conflict, which is against our own laws, by the way. Mm. And the mm. National uh, Conventional Arms Control Committee has not been doing its job. Now, if Monli Gungubele, who was the chair of the, the, the Arms Control Committee at the time that the Lady R came in, said publicly just the other day mm. that there was no uh, you know, paperwork, there was no uh, approval of any arms sales to Russia. But if there, if there was, it was illegal and it was not called for. Mm. So what they're mm. opening the door here is the possibility that something mm. actually mm. might have happened and the government didn't even know about it. Mm. And the arms control committee didn't know about it. So I would just say on this front, besides making all the larger political points that we can make here, Mm. is that we need to take a long, hard look in the mirror in our own government and our own processes and ask ourselves, what kind of politics are we practicing? What kind of legitimacy do we have? And who have we been selling arms to for the last 20 years in terms of our neutral stances? So, so Dale, that opens, that opens up my, a question to you, and I would have asked it anyway. Is, and, and absolutely, I mean, it's opened up the door to a different aspect because the government has, has in essence denied or is, is denying that either through the military and or through any formal structure, it has sold weapons to Ukraine because it, of the neutrality also that it has taken. But then it does open up that particular door. And, and suggesting that, you know, arms then could have landed on the, laid, on, on the Lady R in an unofficial way from some syndicate or the other. But then that suggests to me that if the government didn't know, and this is a serious Navy vessel from a serious country in our ports, that obviously would have then triggered some form of conversation. But if it wasn't from a serious country, 
country as much as it is from Russia and or such a serious vessel, the Lady R. And we, we still don't know whether we are putting weapons on various shipments and or other. It opens up the other question then that this could be happening every day and government doesn't know about it because it has opened up the possibility to it. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it speaks to a much larger crisis that most South Africans are very well aware of, which is our government over the last many years has been uh, asleep at the wheel on many, many fronts. We have reports daily, in, in not just our media, but from investigations, from Zondo, from other things, of massive, massive sort of corruption at our ports, uh, at, at a whole range of state institutions where one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing within ESCOM, where some officials are, are pilfering and are sabotaging while others are trying to save the day, uh, fighting against each other, factions within the ruling party that are doing the same thing. It's a mess. And so it's not beyond the realm of imagination uh, to suggest that, that could be the possibility. It's hard to imagine, but it's not the, beyond the realm of possibility. But what it speaks to is the fact that a lot of the regulatory and oversight mechanisms in our government have broken down or they've been ignored. And, and, and if we were really serious, for example, about adopting a neutral and, and high moral stance, we would have never sold weapons uh, to countries that are oppressing their own populations. This is against our own laws, whatever that country is, irrespective of whether it involves big powers or not. We would never have allowed for the kinds of things that are going on in our own continent, at least the, and, and silent diplomacy and not saying anything and picking and choosing what battles we say, you know, no, in this case, it's wrong to have a coup. But in that one, it's OK to oppress your population and kill them if they vote against you. You know, these are the kinds of things that I think raise fundamental questions about our own state in, in the context of this. And it's, 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 it, there is a crisis here, and it's a crisis not only of legitimacy, but a crisis of governance when we have a situation where the government can almost admit that it doesn't even know what's coming into the country, it doesn't know how to regulate what's coming in, and actually we're going to have to investigate, we're going to have to have a separate investigation to find out. That tells you that somebody is seriously uh, not doing their job. Let's go to Katie in Kimberley. Katie, you want to join the conversation, Katie? Yes, Denzel, I would like to make a comment. Sure, bro. You see, Denzel, uh, the first thing here is, the basic question is that, is South Africa capable of supplying Russia with weapons? Then it's clear that no. Mm. Now, when you speak about neutrality, the military neutrality of South Africa does not override the political authority. So if we speak now about uh, the South Africans supplying arms to Russia, the question is, is the value now of this, of this neutrality militarily, because there are weapons mobilized by the U.S. and the rest of the world against Russia. So now if South Africa were to maintain neutrality militarily, it would be obliged to supply arms to Russia. Mm. Also, now, if we are going to speak about waters and vessels and so on, we are now skating on thin ice. And I think the professor there is being systematic about the whole thing from the perspective of being a, a military expert, but to push a perspective which is based on the fear that the USA is giving to people. Kadeen Kimberley, let me go back to Brett Heron. Brett, there's this there's this thing called a goer, Brett, and and you know um, the the kind of conversations that will come up between now and 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 next year, of course, is 
whether South Africa should be disqualified from from tariff breaks under GOA. And, And it's this thing that the U.S. has over us, and it's the African Growth Opportunity Act. One, one of those particular clauses says, one, the one eligibility clause in, in that AGOA legislation says, and it requires that a participating country does not engage in activities that undermine U.S. national security or foreign policy interests. Um, you know, from, from a party political space, are you, are you even contemplating that AGOA you know, is something we might not. And, and, and you know, there's the, the grey listing has come and, and other issues have come and the ICC debacle we have and this particular issue that we're debating right now. From where you sit in, in, in Parliament, do you, do you have a particular standing on South Africa and its relationship with AGOA and what this potentially could mean to AGOA having just me having read that particular, you know, one requirement, that one clause as well, that basically suggests that, you know, those participating countries not engage in activities that undermine U.S. national security or foreign policy interests. And, and this particular conversation is one that is, is, is really, really one about, you know, whether, whether South Africa has. Well, I, I mean, there's a, there's a sort of mound, mounting number of issues which are, which undermine South Africa's credibility and the goodwill that the United States has had towards South Africa, um, despite differences um, with regards to international relations. Um, the United States seems to have had this, uh, and it's, it's often used in, di- mm. in um, diplomacy, special relationship mm. um, with South Africa. So even though we haven't um, necessarily always agreed on um, with with the United States and the United in the United Nations, mm. and there's been this goodwill towards South Africa, um, which appears to be um, evaporating quite quickly mm. on the back of a, of these these issues, these crises that we create for ourselves. Um, and so, AGOA and the, the threat that AGOA um, South Africa could be excluded from AGOA, AGOA um, is is a very very serious threat to um, to our economy and our country. I mean, mm. the United States is up there in the top five trading partners with South Africa. Um, there are a number of um, exports um, that South, that South Africa enjoys mm. preferential um, trade trade agreements with the United States around. Um, which supports thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs in South Africa. So obviously, um, this crisis and this um, extra threat that the United States um, can wield or yield o- over mm-hmm. South Africa um, in the form of a Goa is is a is a is a massive issue that um, would make really again, if I go back to parliamentary process, mm-hmm. would be a, a really good part of the of the discussion that we need to mm. have in parliament is as legislators um around what this what this um crisis means yeah. what what the um the, the, the secretary for the treasury of the united states janice yellen meant when she when she raised it with the finance minister you know why was she raising it in that context mm. so i think there are there are a lot of questions that the executive needs to answer and those questions have not been answered they have been alluded to
Sure, Britt, then let me ask you this. Um, um, just based on, based on you know, you, you, you're speaking about the, the relations we have, the economic relations we have. We might not have the best political relations because those obviously, you know, um, uh, you know um, are, are, are leaning more towards, of course, a, a, a Russian kind of uh, relationship there. But, but with the U.S., uh, do you think that that message that you've just relayed now came out when the ambassador also spoke about, and we don't speak about it as much as we talk about the weaponry aspect, but the ambassador went on also and waived that particular, you know, resolution that came, those resolutions and the, the policy documents that came out of, you know, uh, NASREC, the 55th conference. And he said, and, and he said this, this document is over 300 pages and nowhere uh, in it, uh, despite all the money we, we donate and the grants and the this and the that, uh, is there any appreciation of what the U.S. does? And also, it has no reference to a goer, but it speaks to BRICS and it speaks to, he, he mentioned the international section and he said it speaks to BRICS and relations with countries like Russia and the likes, but not one single message or reference to the United States, which then contributes so much to the South African, you know, uh, uh, economy in essence and jobs and whatever you've spoken about. That seems to be, I think, also the massive frustration that they have with us is that in, in, one, in one aspect, we'll take their money and in another, we'll, 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 we'll not speak highly and fondly of them when, when we do speak of Russia and the likes in, in context of our international relations, uh, relations space? Well, I mean, I think that's an indication of the contradictions that reside within the ANC, and there are many contradictions around many policy spaces. Um, so on the one hand, um, you know, the ANC may adopt a 300-page document that is their policy um, platform mm. for the next five years, um, which doesn't recognize or acknowledge the role that the United States and other Western countries play mm. in um, in our economy and the, the important role they play. But on the other hand, um, in anticipation of this crisis, mm. there was a delegation sent to Washington a few weeks ago mm. to try and um, engage with senators and with the White House and with the State Department and with the, the Treasury in, in, in the United States, um, trying to secure this um, this investment so mm. and and those are ANC um, deployees who are, who are who advise the, the president and are appointed by the president so there are these contradictions within the ANC mm. that um, that play that play themselves out there's an obvious reliance in South Africa on our trade and and the, the trade and economic partnership that we have with the United States mm. and as I said earlier I think that the the goodwill that perhaps um, Sort of as what as at its peak in the Mandela era has been slowly eroding to the point where the, the United States feels quite comfortable making this threat and making it quite public mm. that um, our special relationship, which South Africa benefits greatly from financially, um, is under threat. Mm. Prof. Prof. Francois, do you do you do you make do you make anything of? What what Dale McKinley also spoke about is the opening of the door to some other avenue of 
weaponry on that particular, you know, vessel. Now, now nobody's suggesting that there are weapons on the vessel or that any weapons made it onto that particular vessel. But, you know, that those particular doors are opened when various things begin to happen. For example, just the particular route the, the vessel takes to South Africa, the, the kind of way it engages on, on, on route to South Africa, the fact that, you know, it lands up in Simonstown at a very, very critical point. Uh, there are all sorts of issues around that. And so people get to a place where even before, even before the ambassador began to speak out, um, uh, uh, European uh, officials, European UN, EU officials were beginning to say they had questions a long time ago around what this particular vessel was doing in South Africa. Now, as 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 somebody who speaks to military and 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 weaponry and stuff like that, do you do you think that the you know, South Africa and the black market and and the illicit trading of 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 arms is is something that's happening under our noses and government as government speaks with the military and the defense force and the president speaking that they absolutely potentially and I'm not saying that they you know don't know that they potentially there are things around military and military weapons and smuggling and 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 trade that they honestly just don't know and they're in the dark about right uh, Denzel, my response to that would be the following mm. the arms trade world has, always has a shady side mm. I, I almost want to say that in Every arms trade that goes on, there is some ambiguity and perhaps a shady side. Mm, clandestine. The, mm. Yeah. The second part around this is um, I would be, yeah, how can I put it? It would be very, very, very bad mm. for the South African government if there appears to be arms exports going on mm. that sidesteps all mm. the governance uh, matters put in place to put arms on a vessel that everybody can track, everybody can see mm. it's being uploaded, some stuff is being offloaded, it sails out for everybody to see, and then the government finds out that some shady deal went down right under our noses mm. in broad daylight, and we didn't know about it. Mm. Um, I I really don't even want to think about that possibility. It's, it's because it's because I mean all South Africa weapon sales have to be vetted by by a cabinet committee, right? And 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 there's no there's no sidestepping that particular uh, uh, point. There should be no sidestepping of that. But I, I just think that if you want to engage in a, in a shady deal like that, uh, you don't do it in broad daylight and you don't do it through a naval port that everybody's watching. Uh, so that part, I'm not saying that no shady deals are going on mm. in terms of arms exports and type of flouting rules uh, we don't export to countries who can use it to their own uh, against their own people or where there are active armed conflicts. Mm. But in certain cases, uh, we think we should do it. In this case, um, I, I'm not. I want to say that um, there are too many ifs mm. around this, and that um, if it's <laughs> if it's a question 
that there was arms mm. uploaded to that vessel. Mm. Um, I would rather look at government trying to do a deal to help and that it's not a shady deal mm. that the government says, good heavens, we just never realized that we have, let's call it a weapons mafia mm. that's smuggling weapons in broad daylight. And now we in this embarrassment with one of our biggest trading partners uh, after declaring that we are neutral in the conflict. Mm. I mean, that is... Uh, <laughs> I can't even think what that's going to do to government if something like that comes up. Sure. The, the bottom line around this is there's always a shady side, uh, even if it's governments or governments doing this uh, below the radar. We've got experience of what happened to our own arms deal that we that type of presented with countries all is above board only to find out there's still uh, rumors, investigations, contradictions going on, even about that arms deal that everybody patted each other on the back on how well it went. Mm. So that is something we, we, we have to remember. Um, that, I'd, But I still think that it was too obvious mm. to be able to do a shady arms deal by some kind of um, under-the-radar entity via the South African defense industry uh, because these questions were asked immediately mm. when that vessel arrived in our waters and docked. Mm. Then it was very closely monitored also by civil society about uploading, downloading activity, vehicles, where the vehicles went, whose vehicles uh, they were, um, being visible to everybody to see, and the extent to which that debate just erupted. If it was a, a under-the-radar dealing, mm. I, I personally think they would have stopped sure. and said, stop, back off, let's do the shady deal in another way. There are too many eyes. The government is already... Because remember, directly after that, the question was to the Minister of Defence, Mm. Please tell us what is happening. What did the vessel do? What did it upload? What did it download? Uh, this, this came from Parliament. Mm. Sure. So, that there were too many eyes, too many radars uh, that opened up and control, uh, monitored sure. what was going on. That if it was a shady deal, they would have backed off. Let me ask Professor uh, Dr. Dell McKinley. Dr. Del McKinley, has, has, the, has Russia given South Africa a backdoor out? Because, you know, there are these reports that South Africa, South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa has been engaging with Vladimir Putin and just over the weekend and just talking about various things. And Vladimir Putin and Russia issuing a statement about this particular conversation, but also at the back of that saying, you know, that South Africa is in this particular unique place where they can you know, engage in an opportunity to begin to talk about, you know, a cease a ceasefire or some kind of a, an agreement. It just seems, you know, that, that that particular sentence, that particular line was placed nicely in the context of this entire broader conversation. Well, it's not surprising. I mean, uh, we just go back a few weeks and we find uh, President Xi of, of China going, saying they've got the deal that they can broker between uh, Russia and Ukraine. 
Uh, we've got uh, Erdogan in Turkey doing the same thing. We've got a number of people. So it serves political purposes. It serves diplomatic purposes to, to sort of ego stroke uh, people and, and, and say you've got a role to play. Um, it's, it's, it's a game that's being played, and Putin plays it quite well uh, in that context of setting one thing off against another and, and looking at what the United States and, and the Ukrainians' allies in Europe are doing and trying to basically checkmate them or at least you know, stop them from doing so. Mm-hmm. So South Africa, beca- and this is the thing, you can say you're neutral, but if you then become a pawn, mm-hmm. you're just pushed around the chessboard, mm-hmm. uh, you, whether it's by Putin or whether it's by Biden or whoever it's, 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 it's uh, you know, from... from European Union or whatever it is, I mean, let's be honest. South Africa, you know, 20 years ago, uh, in terms of our moral authority and our ability to sort of act on the international stage was quite substantially more than it is today. Mm. There's a great deal of people outside this African continent who pay a huge amount of attention to what South Africa says on the international stage anymore. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Mm. What counts, though, South Africa's geopolitical strategic importance on the sub-Saharan African continent. What is going on is a scramble for Africa, a new scramble for our resources. As technology, as electric cars, as all of the different components that are going to be required and all this new AI and technology and everything, a lot of it comes from our own continent. South Africa's position in that is crucial, not just to the United States, not just to the European Union, but to China, to Russia, to everyone else. And this, I think, is the end through which we've got to see this playing itself out. So we can expect the games, the ego stroking. Yes, you can play a role. And maybe South Africa can. If, if the government gets its act together and starts actually governing properly and making concrete decisions about what it wants, then maybe it can play a positive role. But unless it does that, it's going to get pushed around on its chessboard and be playing, uh, becoming a pawn of a different sort. Dr. Del McKinley, thank you so much for joining me here on Power Perspective tonight. Thank you. Mike. That's Dr. Del McKinley on a line. That's that's bad, but of course I think you would have heard him. Prof, Prof, Prof uh, Francois Vray, thank you so much, sir, for joining me here on Power Perspective tonight. Thank you, Denzel. Appreciate it. Thank you. Brett Heron, always a pleasure to have you here on Power Perspective. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's Brett Heron, of course, good party member of parliament and also the SG. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.